And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a Rocky Top Emergency edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. I am here with Andy Staples our uh, senior writer, national college football writer, and, we should add, former Tennessee beat writer back in the day. Andy, uh, crisis in Tennessee have become very consistent bedfellows, walking hand in hand. And here we are again after a... uh, Well, how would you describe that press conference on Monday? Odd. (laughs) Because I just have never... I, I always assumed this would this day would come that it would happen that would a school would convene an NCAA investigation to fire a coach whose buyout it didn't want to pay. I just didn't think it would be on such a grand scale. I didn't think it would be a big SEC school like this. And you know, watching those guys try to to kind of pretend this was about something else is is strange to me. And then and then you got the situation where. Philip Fulmer got shanked too. So you're looking for an AD. You're looking for a football coach. I mean, this is this is Tennessee at its most Tennessee. It's you know this is the biggest orange right here. So much palace drama, so much intrigue, and essentially a reset button on your entire football program. And I will say there was one thing I thought that Philip Fulmer said that I agree with where he said the next football coach needs to be on the sideline for 10 years. And it's true. Easier said than done. Very much easier said than done. But that would be the best thing in the world for Tennessee is some continuity. And look, we don't know if they're going to be able to find that. They've got to hire the AD first before they hire the football coach. But, man, if there ever was a program that needed some continuity, this is the one. It is. And to get that, they want to hire an AD first so that – you know, there's there's already plenty of disincentive for a coach to take this job. Um, we'll see what this roster looks like in a week if the transfer portal um, in a new year where guys can be immediate eligible, um, if that hurts Tennessee. Uh, and then, of course, the looming NCAA trouble, which sounds very, very serious. Um, it's based on kind of what we hear. And then, of course, what they said publicly on Monday, that is not going to be a, a slap on the wrist situation. So at least you'd like to know who your boss is, and you'd like to know what your boss's expectations are, and that's sort of what Tennessee is is banking on, and so they've got to hire an athletic director. I think that that race, I wrote about a lot of the candidates at The Athletic um, this week. You can read that um, shortly. John Gilbert at ECU and Mark Ingram at UAB are the two names that I think are the most likely. If you were betting them in Vegas, it'd probably be you know them at you know, minus a bunch uh, versus the field. 
but you never know. <laughs> it's Tennessee. Um, but where, what do you think Tennessee needs in an athletic director as it tries to sort of rebuild from this, uh, Andy? You mentioned this on my podcast on, on the Andy Staples show uh, where you were talking about they need to find someone who loves Tennessee and someone who you know, just bleeds orange. That They understand that there's a lot of work to be done, but they understand the place and, and they come from a place of love for the place. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, didn't they just have that in Phil Fulmer? But I'm with you, David. It, there's, there's a lot of baggage with Phil Fulmer as well. Uh, in terms of the way he got the job, in terms of the way he got the football coach job, in terms of the way he was fired from the football coach job. So it's a little bit different. And you and I were talking off air about potential candidates. You brought up a guy who I think might be absolutely perfect. He's a younger guy, but I know very few people in this world who love Tennessee as much as Gerald J. Harrison Jr., who is the athletic director at Austin P. right now. He trained under Kevin White. He was an associate AD at Duke for a long time. He, uh, but he was an undergrad at Tennessee. I believe he got a graduate degree from Tennessee also. When I met him, he was Philip Fulmer's right-hand man in the football program. And he had been David Cutcliffe's right-hand man for a time and kind of worked his way up. I, I think he started as a student manager and worked his way up from there. But basically in the early 2000s if you saw philip fulmer on the sidelines you saw gerald right behind him and mm-hmm. gerald did so much behind the scenes at the football program he was kind of like a player liaison uh, there, there's like 10 people in a modern sec program who did the job who do the jobs that gerald did by himself and then after that he moved into to athletic administration uh when david cutcliffe went to duke he went with him and then he kind of worked his way up the up the chain he was the number two at duke before he got the austin p job that is the guy i'm telling you right now david that's the guy they need to hire gerald harrison interesting well a ringing endorsement i i um i i think i should i should say that i think that that love for tennessee is a lot more important for an ad right now than it is for a coach um, and john gilbert know, has that too yes mm-hmm. but let's mm-hmm. be honest i mean he he was at tennessee and and you know definitely learned a lot he was, he was at tennessee in a more modern time uh where he kind of probably understands the current issues a little better but again I, i'm gonna go back to the the love the bleeding big orange you know the the color the orange of the the daisies that grew on the hill where the original <laughs> campus building was that's gerald harrison yeah um and so i you know, stability is just really key, and I, and I think that's that's that has not been at Tennessee for a long time, really at any level. And I don't think anybody expected Philip Fulmer to take this job for a long time, but it did feel, you know, last year especially, coming off of that uh, six-game winning streak, that, you know, Dondi Plowman and, and Philip Fulmer and, and Jeremy Pruitt were on the same page, and now here we are, you know, Philip Fulmer's gone, Dondi Plowman... Um, ushered Jeremy Pruitt out the door very quickly uh, on Monday. And Tennessee is just sort of, it feels like they're hitting the reset button again. And I think the roster is in a much better shape uh, right now than it was when uh, 2017 when Jeremy Pruitt took over after that season. But, you know, it's still pretty touch and go at the moment. And I think there's just so many variables that it's hard to get a feel I do think, you know, I don't want to get too in the weeds on personnel, but do you? How do you feel about 
as now that we're having a, a bigger issue or a bigger uh, the, the transfer portal is taking on a more uh, important um, place in recruiting and building your roster. Do you feel like schools should have to count transfer portal scholarships as their twenty five additional? I, I don't know what the downside for that is. It feels to me like you're 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 limiting guys' opportunities, and I just feel like it's different than than you know bringing in some of the oversigning issues, gray shirting that that were um, you know issues well, it, in the it, SEC. It, but it is it is the rule for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. The reason you have that rule now in this climate, and they haven't moved to change it, and I, I think they've. They probably will tweak it somewhat, but they don't want to tweak it immediately because they want to see how it how it's handled. Mm-hmm. But the reason they still have that twenty five person hard cap, where you ba- the, the in in plain English, you can bring in twenty five new players a year, whether they're transfers, high school students, JUCOs, twenty five new players a year, and that's it. And you know, if you had some who didn't come in last year, like say you only brought in twenty three because two guys didn't qualify academically. Then you could count two of your early enrollees back, and that's how some guys, you know, some teams get twenty-seven in in a year. But that's mm-hmm. that's how that works. The reason they do that is so that a new coach doesn't come in and completely gut the roster. You've seen it in basketball where a coach will come in and all of a sudden the roster there's nobody there. They're all gone and they've flipped it completely, and they're just it, they're just bringing in transfers, and it's so that. You know, presumably you have people on your roster who like being at that university, who don't want to leave that university, and they don't want a new coach to come in. This is, you know, the people who made the rules, which are the schools. They don't want a new coach to come in and just force all those people to leave. Yeah, I, I, I just think you're, you know, ultimately it's a math problem. You know, it's a math right. problem. If you can only bring in 25, but you can lose... 12, you know, 12 guys to the transfer portal. I mean, there's going to be guys that are a little trigger happy. And I think for places that are trying to rebuild, not just Tennessee, but anywhere, I, I would say, you know, ultimately, I just think the transfers need to be exempt from this, um, from this, uh, the, the number. I think they should be. Because you're looking at a situation like Tennessee now where, you know, for, so they sign, you know, I forget the number. It was like 18, 19, 20 guys. But they specifically held a handful of spots for transfers. And they signed Hendon Hooker. They signed um, Big Cat Bryant. We'll see what those guys do now that there's a change, all that stuff. But they're going to be losing. You know, right now I think Tennessee has like 13 guys in the portal. I mean, Wanya Morris is already gone. Jared Garantano's gone. JT Stroud's gone. Ultimately, I'll be shocked if Tennessee brings in as many people as they lost. And then, you know, on top of already trying to bring in a recruiting, um, you know, ultimately I think the end goal here or the end game here, if you have this, is a lot of guys in the portal not getting enough opportunities. And I don't think that's good for the sport. But, you know, it is what it is. I think we're a little in the weeds on that. But I feel like still I'd like to see that change. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you look at where Tennessee is is right now and you look at the path forward, it, it's hard not to have that sort of path forward be clouded, certainly, by, by the road that got them here. But if you're Tennessee, what are you, what are the things you're prioritizing in a coach um, once you make that AD hire and you're looking at a guy that says, "Hey, you know, I want to be the new head coach at, at Tennessee." There's going to be plenty of folks I think ultimately they would like that. I don't know that Tennessee would like them, but what are the things that are at the top of your list if you're Tennessee? I, I think you made a good point on my show, and and I want to bring this back up because we can delve deeper into this. Yeah, you said that because of the way they got rid of Jeremy Pruitt, which is essentially they're going to have to admit to multiple NCAA violations, which could bring penalties, which could bring scholarship sanctions or recruiting sanctions, that they should hire someone who's more scheme-dependent than talent-dependent. And obviously you want both. Like if, if you get good scheme and good talent, you have Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. But right now, talent's going to be tough. You're going to need that person who's a great schematic operator and also good at finding diamonds in the rough because you may have to find a few of those before you get back to the position where you can recruit at a normal capacity because you may be dealing with some sanctions. So the the guy that, that we've talked about, and, and his name keeps coming up with all this because it makes sense and also because he's from nearby, grew up loving Tennessee, so he, he makes sense in that on that side too is Jamie Chadwell at coastal Carolina because he's worked at those level lower levels, which I think would probably disqualify him in most cases because you'd want someone who was an assistant at an sec school or an ACC school and had to recruit that kind of player, you know, had to, had to recruit the kind of players that Tennessee is going after against Georgia and against Alabama and against Auburn and against Clemson. But he can also hire those kinds of people. And you look at his offense, it is an offense designed to close talent gaps. And we've seen in the past when good coaches whose offenses were designed to close talent gaps get into bigger jobs, that's when things really take off. Like Urban Meyer is a good example. Urban Meyer's offense was designed to help Bowling Green beat teams that had much better rosters. And then it was tweaked at Utah, where they were frequently playing teams that had much better rosters. And he gets to Florida, and once he gets his recruits in place, 
they're very hard to stop because all of a sudden you're running this offense that's designed to close a talent gap with a more talented team. Yeah. So that's the part where I think that might work. And, and what he runs is a is a triple option based spread, but it's not it's not the triple option. They throw it a ton. They have a lot of RPO stuff in there. It's uh, basically built to torture linebackers. I feel bad for linebackers yes. every time oh, I watch Coastal play. Oh, I, I, one of the most enjoyable conversations I had this season was with Jamie Chadwell about the wheel route and what that does to a linebacker. And it's just, he, he's, you know, it, so he's got that part of it. And if you look at his history, he's coached at Coastal Carolina, he's coached at Charleston Southern, he's coached at North Greenville, if you've ever heard of that. That's Division Two, Greenville, South Carolina. There's not a South Greenville, an East Greenville, or a West Greenville University. But there is a North Greenville. So he's been a CEO at those levels. I don't think the CEO part of it would bother him. I think he could handle... I actually think especially him because he's he's from the place could handle the kind of unique fishbowl that is the Tennessee job. But I also think the recruiting piece of it is is where he'd have to answer some hard questions in the interview. Who are you going to hire? I, I'd want to see a, a pretty detailed staff plan Yeah, that would include some SEC recruiting experience. Now, and that's more of an if he can do it, not a he can't do it. You know, right. it, that's a big risk, but I don't right. think you it's sort never, of a... You're, it's not you that can't. you can't, it's just you've never been asked to before, yeah. so we don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a guy you mentioned when, when we were talking earlier about who we know can coach at this level, we know can recruit at this level, and that's Gus Malzahn. But now you've got Kevin Steele sitting there, kind of parked. As <laughs> I, I guess that was their backup you know, interim plan, but I, I do think you can hire a coach in, in this time frame. So... You probably have to cut him loose if you hire Gus Malzahn, but you know Gus Malzahn can do the things that that you want at Tennessee. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I think ultimately, you know, you have a, a place at, at Tennessee that of all the coaches you've hired, you've never hired one that has previous head coaching experience um, at a Power Five. You know, in terms of the last what twelve years of whatever you want to call this decade plus wilderness that Tennessee has been stuck in. But I agree with you on the scheme thing. You know, certainly his name has a lot of uh, baggage with it, but you saw a similar thing with Art Briles at Baylor in that they were doing these things in high school and at Houston and Texas Tech, and he kind of had his own offense. But when they started recruiting, you know, they weren't even close to the level still of Texas and Oklahoma, but they were feared. They were the most physical team. They were the fastest team, and that's how they won Big 12 titles at a place that had historically been awful. And, you know, you have to find somebody who can do some similar things schematically because I just don't – you know, the plan for Jeremy Pruitt was he's going to recruit at the same level that Butch did, but he's going to develop the players. Well, he recruited slightly worse than Butch, and, you know, certainly obviously now you have NCAA trouble. Development, you know, sort of a matter of perspective. You know, I think time will tell ultimately where you're at there. Didn't have a ton of progression this year. But it's you, – you have to find the guy, and I think you have to lean on – um, a, a guy who's going to uh, win with scheme more than talent. And, again, Tennessee, they're back into a corner here a little bit. You have to get a little lucky, and uh, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to see where they go because they don't have a ton of options at the moment. Um, and, and Tennessee is still a good job. It's a good program. But there are just so many reasons to not mess with Tennessee right now. Um, and... Here, here's they my thing. If I, am a, if I am an established Power 5 head coach, 
which obviously that's probably who you're going to look at first, or even a, a Power 5 coordinator who's a hot name who, who could potentially be a, a Power 5 head coach this, you know, this next cycle. This university just convened an investigation to nuke the previous coach so they didn't have to pay his buyout. Yeah, how much do you think that affects a coach that's massively? Yeah. It would it would probably disqualify if I were a sitting Power 5 coach, I would not even consider it. If I were a group of 5 coach or a coordinator in the Power 5, I, I might I, I would consider it, but I would want lots of years on the deal. I'd want as much security as humanly possible because I don't know what they're going to do to me. They just did it to the other guy. Mm-hmm. And they did it in the year after, I mean, what, a couple months after giving him an extension. Yeah. Now, so, it sounds like they were punishing Philip Fulmer for the extension, and that's yeah. one of the reasons he's being shuttled out the door as well. But listen, I would need as much security as humanly possible. I would I would put some poison pill. Like we talked on, on my show about the Jeff Long clause in his Kansas deal as the AD, where if they got hit with sanctions, that contract extends. As the football coach, I would want that too. Mm-hmm. You have a lot. You have a lot more uh, um, experience looking around the nation, and I, the NCAA is really unpredictable. But when you're talking about you know dozens of level one, level two violations, you know Donnie Plowman says Monday she's not even sure how many there are, which. That's not a good. Uh, that's not what you want to hear if you're a Tennessee. Fan. What do you think? Where do you think this ends for Tennessee in terms of punishment? What should they be bracing for? That it's so hard to tell anymore because here's the problem: the the public has changed completely on this. Nowadays, the only time anybody cares about what penalty the NCAA hands down is they want to see their rival suffer. So. Mm-hmm. You know, fans of, of other SEC schools or Alabama, they're going to want Tennessee to get hammered just because they, they want pain for Tennessee. But nobody else really cares. Nobody cares what they did. Nobody cares if they got hotel rooms for, for unofficial visitors or whatever it was they were doing. No one cares. If they handed people bags of cash, also no one cares. Mm-hmm. So it's hard because the NCAA – and, and it's interesting. If you read my uh, my column that I put up, on the athletic about pressing the reset button in college football. One of the reasons I think the, the power five, I'm sorry, the, the FBS schools need to take football out of the NCAA and just make their own organization that, that makes its own rules that enforces its own rules is the NCAA has no incentive to do anything to enforce the rules in football because they don't get anything out of football. They don't get any money from football. Uh, they don't get, all they get is grief out of football. So if I'm the NCAA, I'm like, I don't care what you do with it. Just tell the committee on infractions, whatever, you, whatever you want. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And so to predict what they might do is 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 a fool's errand because you just don't know. And they shrug off precedent, seemingly. Precedent doesn't often. matter exactly. Yeah. Now I, you know if you look look at Ole Miss, look at LSU recently. I, I would I would ban myself from a bowl game, but I kind of think given the way the roster's going and the, the coaching situation, they're probably going to ban themselves from a bowl game anyway this year. So may as well ban themselves from it officially. They missed that opportunity this year. <laughs> I was waiting for uh, it, the, three and seven. The, the Gene I was Smith, waiting. One of the, Gene, Gene Smith at Ohio State, I'll never – because he's a pretty smart guy and, and handles most of these situations correctly. But I never understood why they didn't ban themselves from the Gator Bowl. <laughs> 
and then play and then win the Big Ten title in 2012 when Urban Meyer was the, the head coach the first year. Like, went undefeated and had to just sit there. You just there. essentially <laughs> gave up a Big Ten title so you could play in a Gator Bowl against a similarly situated Florida team. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, uh, it, it is interesting. You know, I, I think uh, it's tough to know when the um, tide kind of turned because I remember – you know, the Miami, the USC scandals are so much finger wagging and how could you that those days are gone. You know, you need to show me you need to show me victims these days. And, you know, when you talk about Baylor or Penn State or, you know, to some degrees, you know, UNC sort of making it like the Baylor and Penn State thing that the the fact is there are real victims. There are actual laws against that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And those are the the people that should be handling that mm-hmm. the NCAA doesn't have any rules about it. And that's why when the NCAA did what they did to Penn state, it was overturned because they weren't following their own rules. Yeah. Which there were no rules about this because it's not what the NCAA was designed to deal with. Yeah. And so now when you see Tennessee, you see, I, I actually don't think that Tennessee deserves a lot of, uh, uh, criticism for quote unquote being sloppy because not a lot of schools are, you know, paying major law firms $875 an hour to have two lawyers come and look under the hood of their program for, what, two months now? Um, so, you know, quote-unquote sloppiness, I, you know, I think a lot of schools would probably have a similar experience. But it's it's just something we haven't seen very much before. You know, the, uh, there's not a lot of incentive for schools to open up the gates and allow the NCAA to, to, to look. But when you're doing it internally, it's just a different story. And you know, this certainly feels like a gamble that Tennessee is taking, and we'll see how it plays out. But, it, it, you know, just from the outside looking in, it seems like they bit off a little more than they could chew in terms of, you know, having this investigation. The outcome is you're saving $12 million, but what does that mean on the back end? Time will tell. But, again, it all depends on who you hire. I, You know, the right hire can change things in a hurry. That's exactly right. Now, Tennessee, you got to make two right hires. Yep. Given given the recent history, the, what right, are the odds they pull that off. The right hire to make the right hire. <laughs> yeah, again, this is like uh, you just again, you your your path to having a fruitful next 5 to 10 years. It's not it doesn't it's not that it doesn't exist. It's not that it's impossible. You just got to have a lot of things fall in the right place and a lot of decisions that have to be made that you have two or three good options and you can't, you don't have a time machine. You don't have a crystal ball. You just have to say, I feel good about this and you have to be right. And if you're not, you're going to end up right back where Tennessee is right now. I mean, they, they had, they went through this four years ago or three years ago and we're sitting here having this conversation. It's hard running a big time. I mean, again, running a big time, College football operation is hard. And I think seeing Tennessee spin its wheels um, over the last decade, not to get too deep in the, the Bama worship, but it, it does speak to how incredible Bama's run is because it, this stuff is really, really hard. And to have that kind of sustained success, whereas you look around and, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that Tennessee was not having quite the same level of success, but, you know, you're, you're starting off a season and you're like, well, I don't see any way – that you know this program wins fewer than eight or nine games, and now you're looking at Tennessee and you're saying, I don't know how they win eight or nine games next year, and that that well, that that cycle is hard to break. Let me let me give you another name from from that golden era that I think you don't hear mentioned as much, but deserves some credit for it. 
Doug Dickey. Mm-hmm. Doug Dickey was a really good athletic director. People can say whatever they want about Doug Dickey, the coach. And I know, you know, there's there's still animosity because he left Tennessee for Florida, and then he, you know, there's animosity at Florida because he, he they were awful his last year. But Doug Dickey, the athletic director, was really good at his job, and they were just they were a model of consistency when he was working there. So uh, didn't always get basketball right. Uh, you know, looked like Jerry Green was going to be okay, and then then he wasn't. But in terms of dealing with football and, and dealing with the cash cow, he handled that very well. And they need their next Doug Dickey. And, and so to get back to the beginning of our conversation, Donnie Plowman said that's who they're hiring first, the AD. Let's work on getting that right, then you work on getting the football coach right. Well, I'm glad I just have to talk about it, and I don't have to make any of these decisions. The only thing I've got to decide is what to write this week. <laughs> and... Uh, I can tell you those are easier decisions with slightly lower stakes, somewhat. Um, but hey, we're serious about uh, growing the athletic as well. So, if you are not a subscriber to the athletic, you like that segue, Andy. You like that segue. <laughs> if you are, uh, 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 hey, I, I teed you up for that one. Yeah, you did. If you'd like to subscribe to the athletic and read our coverage, we've got a lot. I I have lost count of the number of podcasts and. Uh, stories and things we've written about this Tennessee situation. You have Bruce Feldman looking at candidates. You have Chris Vanini's profile of the job, which is always insightful. My own, uh, you know, writings of the last couple days in Tennessee. Our podcast, The Andy Stable Show, you have access to all of that if you subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash grits. And, of course, listen to Andy Staples Show. We had some more conversation about Tennessee um, there. Uh, so go over there and listen to that. Andy's show, listen to him. And, of course, if you're not a subscriber – to this podcast you can do that on any podcast purveyor you choose and have every show delivered directly to your device and if you listen to the athletic app or you're a subscriber you can listen ad free thank you for listening leave us a rating a review all of it helps the show it's been quite a week on rocky top and um i'm probably going to be able to say that for the next three four five weeks andy is that's my guess uh so how this is oh, I, I, I think so i think you've got a a long and very interesting <laughs> next few weeks ahead of you. And uh, let's just hope nobody gets hired and then unhired because then it gets really <laughs> wild. Well, uh, I could use a week off at some point. So maybe we'll get to that point. I'm crawling through the desert of what I thought was the off season, uh, but it turned out to just be a mirage. And here we are. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you again very, very soon.